Hey everybody, this is Scott, the host of the Sunday Morning Coffee Podcast. I would like to invite you to support the show through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash smcpod. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash smcpod, where for only four US dollars per month, you can get early access to episodes and members-only content. Once again, that's patreon.com slash smcpod, and I thank you for your support. Craig Baird, producer, host of Canadian History X, fabulous podcast. Thank you for joining me today, Craig. I appreciate you doing this. Oh, thanks for having me. One of the things that I really enjoy, uh, and you know, truth be told, I am new to your podcast. I am new to your Twitter. I found your Twitter first, then I found your, uh, obviously, your podcast through that. One of the things that I love about it is that um, the episodes are generally let's say 20 to 35 minutes uh, in length, just nice bite-sized chunks of information. And there's so much uh, that I didn't know about. And of course, some topics that I did know about, like I've been through your summit series, uh, series, let's call it, (laughs) uh, the Gretzky Trade podcast, which hurts my heart because I'm an Oilers fan. I still remember the day like it was yesterday. Um, So talk a little bit about how Uh, where the idea for the podcast came from, uh, when you started it, and what was the first episode about? Uh, Well, I started the podcast back in 2019, about, I think, May 2019. And I just, I'd been writing kind of history columns for local newspapers, and I've been listening to podcasts. But at the time, there wasn't a lot of Canadian history podcasts. There was only maybe one or two. And I had a background in journalism and a background in IT, so I kind of wanted to combine those two things to to do the the podcast. And it was something I really enjoyed, but I originally just kind of started it as a hobby. It was only releasing episodes when I had the time, that kind of thing. And then it kind of slowly built into you know more of a part-time job and then eventually a full-time job. And as for my first episode... It was about 530 episodes ago, so I think it was, I think it was the 1911 Lost Patrol of the Northwest uh, Mounted Police. Uh, I think that was my first episode. That's great, and it's great when something that starts out as a hobby, something you do because you enjoy it, turns into what you actually do. That's uh, really cool that that happened. And uh, you know, like you said, 500 episodes. I'm sure it didn't happen overnight. No, oh, no, <laughs> a lot of work. Uh, one of the, another thing that I noticed that I love is uh, that you mentioned uh, heritage minutes. Um, for people that aren't sure, we do have listeners in the U.S. and in other uh, parts of the world. Talk a little bit about that and how that uh, sort of inspired uh, your your love of Canadian history. 
For sure. The Heritage Minutes are, ironically, you know, they, they, they have the tagline, a part of our history, and now the Heritage Minutes themselves are kind of a part of our history. Our history yeah, yeah uh, because so many of us have grown up, you know, watching TV in the 90s, and these Heritage Minutes would come on. And they kind of piqued my interest because they showed me that Canadian history wasn't just, you know, politicians writing bills and treaties and you know the second world war and vimy ridge there was much more to it uh i grew up in alberta and we had a very western focus on our history so a lot of like louis real red river resistance that kind of thing but eastern canada we didn't get a lot of that and so the heritage minutes kind of started to fill in some gaps and really piqued my interest in canadian history and then going forward i I watched Canada People's History, and then that really got me interested because it was done in such a great way that it mm. made history come alive. And then at the same time, I was reading Pierre Burton. So all three of these things kind of came together to like really make me interested in Canadian history. I was always interested in history, but I was interested in the like Roman Empire and Greece and Egypt and Carthage and that kind of thing. And I always felt like Canadian history was it was okay, but you know, in social studies, it was always about like the Cold War and, and Confederation. And we didn't really learn some of these really interesting stories, but that the Heritage Minutes started to bring those out. You're right about that, because I remember um, I was interested in history as from a young age uh, myself. And my first area of interest was World War II, uh, because that's, you know, what we hear a lot about. And of course, we deserve to hear a lot about that. But mm -hmm. there are so many other aspects of Canadian history that aren't told. And I remember with the Heritage Minute, there's two, two Canadian things that I remember, the Heritage Minutes and Hinterland Who's Who. Oh, yes. <laughs> Which, you know, you just had to stop and watch, you know, what the Willow Ptarmigan is getting up to, up to today yeah. kind of thing. Uh, so was that similar for you? Were you interested in history uh, from a really young age or did it sort of come a little bit later? I think I always was in my early teenage years and it kind of transitioned from like I was I played baseball when I was a kid and so I started to learn baseball history and got really into that and then I started to learn other bits of history it's kind of like when people start listening to music today and then they kind of start to go back and you know back to Nirvana and then like Zeppelin and then the Beatles or something like that and it was kind of the same thing with me I kind of had the genesis point of like baseball and then I was like oh let's learn more about other parts of our history of uh, the world's history ancient history, medieval history, and then eventually uh, Canadian history. But growing up, it was never presented in a very interesting way beyond the Heritage Minutes. And so it was very hard to get interested in it until you kind of started to dive more into it. And I mean, social studies was very bare bones with Canadian history. We learned a lot of, for some reason, American history and British mm -hmm. history, but not a lot of Canadian history, like things like the 1837-38 Upper and Lower Canada rebellions. I had no idea that even happened until I was an adult. Fenian raids, that kind of thing, I had no idea. We knew about Plains of Abraham, but other than that, you know, it was very Western focused. So to get more of an idea of what was happening with Canadian history, really had to dive into it more myself. Baseball is a great example because there's a lot of people in Canada that think baseball in Canada started with the Expos. <laughs> uh, back in the late 60s and continued with the Blue Jays. But when you dig more into uh, Canadian baseball history, it, there's a long and rich history of oh, yeah. baseball in Canada. And just like you said, you start sort of going down 
you discover, oh, that, that's interesting. And then you branch off from there and you go deeper. And it, it's really incredible how many layers there are under what most people think uh, mm-hmm. is the history of of whatever topic you want to talk talk about. Absolutely. Like, like you say, every Canadian knows that basketball was invented by a Canadian. You know, we like to tout it, but at the same time, they don't know that, like you mentioned, baseball has a long history. We have the first recorded baseball game in North America, I think in Beachville, Ontario. And football, you know, we kind of developed these rules of football that became Canadian football, but we showed them to college students in the United States who then started to play that game, which eventually evolved into the, you know, football as the Americans know it. So Mm -hmm. there's all these other things that we did that everybody seems to kind of forget about. Right. That's exactly right. And again, that's, you know, I was going, I've just started diving into your podcast, but like you were mentioning just a few minutes ago, I was like, Oh, I didn't know about that. Oh, what's this about? Like that. And the fact that they're, like I said, 20 to 35 minutes in length, generally, um, you know, you're on the car to work. It's a half hour drive. You get an episode in, you learn something you, you didn't know before. So mm-hmm. um, talk a little bit about the process of, because with my podcast, it's very simple. I create a link. I start the recording. I talk to people, do a little bit of editing that, you know, Bob's your uncle. That's about it. But obviously with what you do, there's got to be a lot of research that goes into it. So how does it work from your end? Is it kind of like you discover a topic and you say, oh, that would make a great show? Or do you go looking for topics? I kind of always keep my, I guess, so to speak, my ear to the ground to find things. Like I have a specific rule where I don't cover anything within the last 25 years. So the most recent year I would cover this year is 1998. And I just kind of early on, it was like, I knew enough about Canadian history. I'd be like, Oh, I'll talk about chief Crowfoot and I'll talk about this and I'll talk about this. Like it was relatively easy, but as you know, I went on, I started to have to find more things to talk about and I've got my, my episode scheduled until December of 2024. So I'm always like adding to that. So I've got a massive buffer of time for, you know, I don't have to like think next week. Oh, what am I going to talk about? It's, it's well down the road. And I just kind of, you know, I'm always putting stuff on Twitter and I'm always reading books and researching and I go, oh, that'll make an episode. And sometimes I'll be like, you know what? I want to talk about this episode a lot sooner than December 2024. I want to talk about this in two or three months because it's really interesting. So I'll shift things around and everything. Mm -hmm. And then every month where I have five Tuesdays, because I release every Tuesday, I always make sure that the last Tuesday of the month is reserved for what I kind of called nostalgia episodes and those are episodes that focus more on something to do with pop culture so the one i have coming up is the hilarious house of frightenstein on, oh, no way. <laughs> as it as it turns out halloween and then the one before that that i just released in august was wrote avon lee but then i've had uh, do south mr dress up uh friendly giant littlest hobo those kind of things just to kind of like break things up because some of the things i talk about can be very heady and very tragic and then Mm -hmm. some are more lighthearted. so it's just kind of a fun way to kind of shift gears a little bit uh, especially if i've had a lot of rough episodes uh over the course of the month Mm -hmm. but i just kind of just keep listening to you know to see what i can find and and add add it to my schedule and then when i get to i'm like oh yeah yeah i remember reading about that you know a year ago Mm-hmm. So there, I would uh, I would assume the process is research, and then you have to write a script for the episode. Um, are you the sole? I noticed on your um, 
on your episodes that you mentioned, someone else that works with you. So how much of that do you take on and how much of that do you have help with? For the first, uh, from 2019 till 20, mid 2022, it was all me. I would research, I would write, record, edit, put everything into it, and then put it out there. And then in uh, about August, September of 2022, I got picked up by Curious Cast. And so that kind of really shifted the podcast and, you know, took it to another level, I feel. But now what I do is I do the research. So I have, you know, books and, and such, and I'll I'll usually write out all my research in coil notebooks. And then once I've written everything out, then I'll take all my notes and I'll put that into crafting the episode. And then once I've written up the episode, then I'll send it to my editor and she'll go through it. And it's, it's really good because she'll take a look at it and be like, what do you mean here? You know, what year did you mean here? Because for me, I'm like, Oh, well, I meant this. I mean, everybody will know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, But she's able to look at and go, wait, you got to, you know, explain this a bit more and really kind of flush it out for me. And then once I record it, and I get any of the archival audio I need, I take all of those files and I send them to my audio engineer. And then she goes through and puts it all together, puts music behind it, and then it it's uh, ready to go out into the world. But early on with the research, I would say probably for the first few episodes, first few months, it was just Wikipedia. I was just like, oh, I'll just, you know. But then as I started to get more into it and make it more of, you know, larger episodes, my first episodes were like, five, six minutes. And so when I started putting more into it, I tried to get more of firsthand accounts through things like newspapers.com and, you know, local history books, because I wanted to have more to it than just essentially reciting what's on Wikipedia. So sometimes I'll use Wikipedia as like my outline to be like, okay, this is when they were born. These are the key points of what they did or what happened. And this is when it ended. And then I'll take that and then I'll start to dive into Library and Archives Canada or things like that to kind of get more firsthand stuff. Mm-hmm. And do you work on one episode at a time or do you have multiple in various stages of production at any given time? Uh, I work on one episode at a time. Usually it takes me about a week, week and a half to, from research to writing, depending on how big the episode is. Uh, but at the same time, I am also kind of redoing old episodes, like my very earliest episodes. So I'll do that every few days, just kind of look at that and, and improve it and add to it and, and and improve the research process. But I usually only work on one episode at a time uh, through the course of the week. Mm-hmm. When you say that you talk about how, you know, from its humble beginnings, um, your podcast has grown to where it is today. Have you noticed in your process any uh because like you said, it was a hobby. It was just for fun at the time. Um, and now it's what you do. Do you still feel the same way about it that you did now? Or is, is there a little bit of a shift in the dynamic of it when it becomes what you do? Well, I think uh, I do focus a bit more on it. Like very early on, it was just putting an episode out there and if people enjoyed it, great. Whereas now I'm much more putting an episode out and okay, what are the numbers like? Are people enjoying this? What's it getting? What are the shares on Facebook? How many people are reading it on the website? Uh, things like that, because like, you know, I got to track like ad revenue and, and such. And so I, I focus more on into what I'm putting out there. Whereas early on, it was like, oh, this is interesting to me. I'm going to I'm going to type something up and I'm going to put it out there. And now I'm much more, this is interesting to me, but will be interesting to other people or is it too, you know, obscure or is it going to be too 
big of an episode where I'm going to have trouble crafting this together. And so I'll, I'll think a lot more about what I'm putting out there now. And uh, because I mean, I have a lot more listeners than I did when I first started out and I make my living this way. So I have to really focus on what I'm putting out there and how it's being received. Do you have a certain favorite um, era of Canadian history, favorite topics? Um, what, uh, if I had to ask you off the top of your head, what stands out for you? I really like pre-colonial history. I like talking about before there ever was a Canada, you know, Indigenous nations, the idea of being able to be back there without borders and roads and fences and just kind of being able to explore really appeals to me. So I really like the fur trade era as well. My favorite historical figure is David Thompson. And I like the how, you know, the Indigenous and the French and the English at the time were kind of cohesive together. There wasn't a, we weren't quite at the point where we were like taking lands. We, we had to work together for the fur trade. And I really like the 1960s. Uh, especially uh, not not just the 1960s, but probably post Second World War to the end of the 60s. You know, the era of Louis Saint Laurent, John Diefenbaker, and Lester B. Pearson is a really interesting time because it was very transformative for Canada. And if I have to pick a specific year, it's 1967 because we had Expo 67, we had the Centennial, we had all these Centennial projects. Like people really, for the first time, are like, "Hey, let's celebrate Canada and who we are." And there were so many things going on. But I definitely, the fur trade era uh, is, a, is a big one for me. As you said, you uh, only go back a certain uh, time frame for your podcast. So let's, let's go forward 25 years from now, if we can. <laughs> Who knows where any of us will be in 25 <laughs> years. But um, what do you think will be the stories that you will tell in 25 years Obviously, there's going to be, I would think, a COVID-related mm -hmm. episode. Uh, what else do you think the stories will be in 25 years when you're doing your podcasts? Well, like you said, for sure, COVID. Uh, if I'm doing the 25-year cutoff, the forest fires that we had this year, because I have done a lot of disaster-related podcasts, so that would be one. In fact, this year, I've got one coming about the 1998 ice storm that hit Ontario and Quebec. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I kind of, if I was 25 years in the future, definitely those, the the forest fires, the uh, COVID, how that related to, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. uh, but then also just kind of things like even what's going on in Alberta right now, where 25 years from now, did we pull out of the Canada pension plan? How did that work? You know, a lot of the things going on with uh, how things tend to be divided right now and and each province almost seems like they want to just go it alone or the green belt in ontario uh, possibly an episode about that talking about how you know it was really a grassroots movement that caused this massive reversal of a decision to protect the green belt so there's plenty of things i mean the years we still got a few months i don't know what's going to happen for the rest <laughs> of the year so there could be like a huge story that comes mm -hmm. but uh you know I, that's why I like to have the 25 years because I've had people contact me and say, why haven't you done anything about the convoy or why haven't you done anything about this? And it's like, I like to have that 25 years to kind of mm -hmm. get more of a historical perspective of what actually happened afterwards. How did it influence things? How did things change? Whatever the topic I might be talking about. And uh, I just feel like it's, it's a good uh, buffer time. For sure. Um, 
you you mentioned a few things that happened, like the ice storm, um, and it just kind of snapped in me like that. I'm of the age now where things that happened 25 years ago, I know, I remember, and they're now history. It's kind of like when uh, a song comes on a classic rock station, you're like, that's not classic <laughs> rock. I I remember yeah. when that came out. Like that that means I'm old, right? But it, it's yep. it's funny how things that happen in your own lifetime, you really don't see them as historical until down the road. Oh, without a doubt, with so many things, like you said, you know, you hear Nirvana or Pearl Jam on classic rock and you're like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. Like I just remember, or even just a couple of weeks ago, uh, the X-Files had debuted 30 years ago and was like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> I remember watching this growing up. That doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, when I'm doing my, my writing and everything, I prefer doing stuff from well back in the past because I don't have that nostalgia aspect to it. But certain times I do. I, I wrote an episode about Expo 86. I went to Expo 86 as a kid. So I have the, the nostalgia of kind of remembering that. Or Rick Hansen, when I was a kid, I gave him a check. So it was like, you have those kind of nostalgic aspects to it. And I don't mind that. But then it also just reminds you of this huge passage of time since that point. Mm -hmm. And again, when I think about it, I, I think a lot of people feel the same way. Like, oh, there's nothing really, you know, historical about what has happened in my lifetime. But you ran down a few that have happened in the last 25 years. And then, you know, you've got the Afghanistan war, which mm -hmm. will make for some episodes down the road. You know, you've got Terry Fox who I remember being, I think I was 11 years old. And I remember my mom telling me that Terry Fox had died and crying my little eyes out. And then, you know, the next year doing the, the first Terry Fox run. So I, I think there's obviously that misconception that eh, there's nothing really, you know, <laughs> worth mentioning historically. But when you dig down a little deeper, there's a ton, ton of stuff that, that would can be considered historic. Oh, without a doubt, like even, you know, the past 40 odd years in my lifetime, the repatriation, repatriation of the Constitution. And uh, like I said, Expo 86, the 2010 Olympics, uh, many things that happened in the 1990s, even things just that are more lighthearted, like the Schwinnigan handshake or uh, the ice storm, uh, the opening of the Confederation Bridge. Like these are all topics that I've covered kind of in that buffer. So yeah, there's plenty. I mean, even just how the internet has changed Canada or our role in building the internet and things like that so yeah if everybody tends to think that history is a century ago and it's like there's much that there's a lot that's happened even just in the 25 past 25 years let alone past 40 or 50. I'm a big fan of Dan Carlin's hardcore history uh, podcast it's fantastic his world war one series was mm -hmm. one of the greatest things I think I've ever heard and <laughs> and again I knew about world war one to a degree but the, the sort of detail and the untold stories that he went into um, were just mind-blowing. And I think that's the same with your podcast. Like I said, there's a lot of things that I didn't even know about. But then there's things that I knew about, like in the Summit series. Uh, but, oh, I had never heard that before. So I think it's – I think podcasts like Dan's and yours are a great vehicle to introduce people if not introduce them to Canadian history, then expand what they know about it and, and 
gather their interest. And do you see it that way as well? Do you see podcasts and so on as a medium uh, that will have that effect? Without a doubt. You mentioned, you know, a lot of people will listen to podcasts on their way to work or if they're at the gym or just cleaning around the house. And whether you're listening to my, you know, 20 to 30 minute episodes or Dan Carlin's six hour episodes, you know, you, you can dive in and learn so much about a certain topic. And the one nice thing is that a lot of people who put out podcasts aren't historians they haven't you know they're not writing history books that can be very dry you know they're presenting it in a very interesting way and i think that appeals to a lot of people it's like watching it on television you know a quick little documentary giving you the relevant facts and then you can kind of go i want to learn more about that so you maybe explore it a bit more you take a book out of the library about it so i think uh podcasts are a very are a great gateway to that versus even just on television where you have to sit there and watch it you can be listening to a podcast anywhere whatever you're doing you don't have to sit there and read a book you can be out for a walk you can be driving whatever it might be so it makes it very accessible to kind of pique your interest in the subject what do you think we as canadians and more specifically our leaders um, that are responsible for such things as education. And what do you think we should do to make sure that our history and our stories not only uh, continue to be told, but are told more often in more detail and in a more interesting way? Well, I think just there's many ways to do it. Like, I think we need to have more of a cohesive history of our country because in schools it seems it's very relevant to where you are like i mentioned with alberta very western focused whereas quebec will be very eastern focused or the maritimes and so we need kind of more of a cohesive thing i know each province does set its own curriculum and that can also depend on what who's in power at the time and what they want to talk about and with my podcast you know i say that i talk about the good the bad and the weird and i think we have to really talk more about our history, celebrate some of the amazing things from our history uh, in, in social studies or whatever it might be, but also talk about some things that are darker aspects of our history. We have a, growing up, I had a very idealized image of Canadian history. You know, we, we think of Canada as, you know, we were, it was free for slaves. People would come up here and they had freedom and life was good. And it's like, well, it was better than the United States, but not you know, we still had slavery for 200 years. And there was a time when people actually escaped from Canada to go to the United States to be free. So, you know, to give us more of a, a broader, uh, deeper look at our history so that, you know, there's things from our history we can learn from and uh, not have this view that everything was rosy, but also celebrate our history more. Because as Canadians, we really tend not to. And I think the big reason for that is the United States, where it's a very rah-rah look at our history. And Canadians tend to, we don't want to be like that. So we're a bit more reserved with it. So we don't even look at our history. We don't talk about it that much. I mean, Canada, people's history, it took until 2001 before we had a really comprehensive look at our history on television. And, you know, the Heritage Minutes, even those were just quick little bite-sized things. But that, that took until the 1990s. And Canada, by that point, was 125 years old. So I'd like to see just more of our history looked at, more, you know, talk about British Columbia's history in Quebec and Quebec's history in Alberta, because then we can kind of understand where some of these provinces are coming from now and, and certain things that they ask for, certain things that might be happening in those provinces, uh, because we're a huge country. So there's so much to talk about and so many differences related to our history. But it's hard to do that. I mean, 
you know, with school, you can only cover so much. We're, I, don't, I mean, we're not Britain. We don't have a thousand years of history. We're Canada. We have 150 years of history. You can't talk about all of it, but at least try and celebrate some of it, address some of it, and and make it interesting through some of the weirder aspects of it. I think that's one of the interesting things about Canada. I'm sure the United States is is the same, but Canada, for sure. I grew up in Northern Ontario, born and raised, and then I moved to Southern Ontario, and I just recently moved back to Northern Ontario. And even in that three hours between where I lived and where I live now in Northern Ontario, there are so many differences in the people, in the dialect, in, you know, certain words that are used. And you spread that across a country, a, a relatively sparsely populated country like Canada, and the differences from Newfoundland to British Columbia are are huge. And I, I think that's one of the, to me, that's one of the interesting things about Canadians and Canadian history is learning about those differences, about, you know, how the people live in different parts of the country and, and so on. Yeah, without a doubt, like even Alberta, where I grew up, I grew up outside of Edmonton, but I, you know, I, I have lived in BC, Alberta and Saskatchewan, but just in Alberta, the difference between Southern Alberta and Northern Alberta or Central and Northern Alberta is immense. I mean, where I am, it's farmland and it's forests and, and such. And Southern Alberta is an arid area that had to be, get a lot of irrigation. So it's a completely different mentality down there. And like you said, just Ontario, North and Southern, South Ontario is immensely different. And we're just talking about the same province, not even talking about cross country. So it's very hard to get that cohesive history. Uh, Whereas it feels like the United States maybe is a bit better with that, even though they do have their different regions. Uh, but I think the one thing I always run into is people say, well, Canadian history is boring. Well, yeah, when you compare it to something in the United States with civil wars and all that, and they talk about their wars a lot, maybe that is more interesting. But if you actually start to look at Canadian history and look at the stories, we have a fascinating history. And I don't think enough people actually do that. Do you think one of the reasons why, and you sort of touched upon this a uh, few minutes ago, do you think one of the reasons why that is, why we don't tout our history as much, why we don't talk as much about our past, is that stereotypical Canadian modesty, quiet, uh, don't want to be like our loud neighbors to the south, um, except when it comes to hockey, of course, and it'll be as loud as you want us to be. Uh, do, do you think that has uh, anything to do with our lack of sort of tooting our own horn about our own history? I think so. I think, uh, like you said, obviously things that we really love, like hockey, we are more than happy to celebrate it. But I think our biggest issue is we're kind of between two giants of the United States and the United Kingdom. And so we often feel like we're in their shadow. So our history can't measure up to that. So we don't talk about our history. Maybe we, we, we're more shy about it. Uh, with the United States, obviously they're much more rah-rah about it. I mean, there's Canadians who know more about American history than they knew about Canadian history mm -hmm. because we don't talk about it. We don't learn a lot about it because we have this feeling that it's boring. There's nothing to it. It's just politicians and treaties. But, you know, we have lots of battles. We have lots of interesting stories in there. And, you know, we have the United Kingdom and we feel like maybe they overshadow us a bit because, you know, they essentially... We were part of their dominion for the longest time. 
And that's why I like 1967, because it felt like it was for this one brief moment, we were like, hey, let's celebrate Canada, you know, coast to coast, our history, let's do wild, crazy things. And it was just this wonderful moment. And then it was kind of back to, okay, let's be quiet about our history now and, and not talk about it. I mean, when uh, months ago, back in March, I I used AI to turn all of the prime ministers into rock stars. I saw that. And, that was yeah. fantastic. And people really enjoyed it. But so many people were like, I have never heard of a lot of these people. And it's like, these are our prime ministers, whether they were around for 69 days, like Sir Charles Tupper, or 21 years, like William Lyon Mackenzie King. A lot of people just didn't know who they were. Like, William Lyman Kenzie King was our prime minister for 21 years. And today a lot of people don't even know who he is. And I'm not saying he was a great guy. Like there were certain things that were not great about William Lyman Mackenzie King, but in the United States, there would be, you, everybody would know who he is because he mm -hmm. would be their longest serving president. Uh, but for us, for some reason, you know, after I'd say John Diefenbaker or before John Diefenbaker, we know very little about our prime ministers mm -hmm. and I don't, I guess it's just, it's that Canadian thing of just not wanting to talk about our history. One of the things that's a little bit concerning to me, and I don't, not sure how you feel about it is, um, and you know, the reasoning behind some of it is completely understandable. Uh, this kind of trend or effort, whatever word you want to use to erase people from our history. Um, taking down of statues and renaming of streets. And yeah, I understand absolutely why the reasoning for it. But to me, that only serves to prevent people from learning from the, that those times in history and those people and to make sure that, you know, anything that they did that might have been terrible isn't repeated. How, how do you feel about that? Uh, well, with the streets, I think I, I'm kind of okay with that because in certain cases like, uh, you know, Edgar Dudney in Saskatchewan, whatever it might be, and then there's a Dudney Street in Regina, uh, people can see being named, have a street named after you as celebrating you. And if they have a complex history or a dark history, I can understand changing the name of the street. And I mean, we've changed names of streets. We've changed names of entire uh cities and towns yeah kitchener. yeah berlin became kitchener yeah. for example yeah. <laughs> uh with the statues like i i know there is the argument that it's erasing history but the history is always there like the history doesn't change you can still learn it what i would prefer rather than taking down statues is have more context on the statue whether it's a plaque saying listen this is well, perfect example, Sir Johnny MacDonald, he was our first prime minister. These are th things he did, like the CPR and, you know, bringing in Manitoba and BC and PEI. But also, these are things that he also did, the Chinese head tax, you know, the pushing the indigenous to reserves, uh, that kind of thing. So you're getting kind of a complete look at it. You don't have to take down the statue, but you can add context to it. So when people see the statue, they go, oh, okay, I've learned some of the good things that this person did and also some of the bad things because every prime minister in our history has done good and bad things i mean my mm -hmm. favorite is lester b pearson and he did a lot of good things but he did things that were not as great like he you know sent a lot of stuff for the united states to fight in vietnam and we have this view that we were never in vietnam well we kind of were because we sent lots of stuff to them mm -hmm. uh so i prefer just to have like plaques and things like that to get add more context. It's harder to do that with a street. So yeah. changing the name of the street is is minor uh, to me. 
because it's the person's not really connected with that street. It was just, you know, like Victoria, BC. Victoria was never ever visited BC. She never visited Canada. So there was no real connection beyond saying, let's name it for the queen at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, with buildings, if the person has a connection to that building, McGill would be a good example with James McGill. You know, he did he did found McGill University. He also was a slaveholder. So I wouldn't say take the name of McGill away because it he, he did actually create that. But, you know, again, add context to who that person was, whether it's new students coming in and you explain it, or I, I'm sure there's a statue of him at McGill. And if there is, add a plaque to it. So it's about always adding context to it because we, we tend to look at things as uh, black and white, good and bad. And a lot of our prime ministers and former leaders or whoever they might be are kind of in the middle. And, you know, where they were doing what they thought was fine for the time, but now we can see that, okay, this was very wrong. So we can add to that where we can explain a bit more to it from our modern sensibility. You're probably going to be able to name about 20 when I ask you this question, but um, is there <laughs> off the top of your head uh, a Canadian historical figure that you think is either very misunderstood or very under discussed that's not a word but uh, is, is there anyone that jumps out uh, that fits either one of those categories well again it comes back to that regional aspect of canadian history like i would say david thompson but if you live in alberta you know who david thompson is there's roads named after him there's statues everything but if i say go to quebec they might not know who david thompson is and you know that was somebody who had a big impact on canada with explorations or his wife charlotte small who is always a footnote to his story but they were married for 58 years she was on these journeys with him carrying children and helping keep him alive but again kind of just a quick footnote but there's a lot of people from our history that maybe we we know who they are but we don't know the whole story chief dan george the first indigenous person to be nominated for an academy award so we know him as an actor but we don't often look at the fact that in 1967 he you know he was a celebrated poet and his lament for confederation at vancouver centennial celebration kind of kick-started the indigenous activist movement at the time and even before that, he was obviously a chief and, and a poet. So I think there's a lot of people in our history that we need to like take from, say, Alberta and teach Eastern. And in Eastern Canada, uh, a good example is somebody I just talked about yesterday, Wilfred, Sir Wilfred Grenfell, who is very well known in Newfoundland. He did a lot in Newfoundland for setting up hospitals and everything. But I mean, outside of there, nobody knows who he is. So take his story and kind of take it across Canada to explain who this person was. There are people everybody knows, like Terry Fox that you mentioned. I mean, everybody knows who Terry Fox is, even though he was never in Alberta. I, I, everybody in Alberta knows who he is. Mm -hmm. So there's just these figures specific to certain areas that I think it would be great that we could teach other areas about them, teach more about Quebec history in Alberta, for example, and uh, teach more about the quiet revolution in Alberta or wherever it might be. I use those two examples because I grew up in Alberta and Alberta and Quebec are two very different provinces from each other. <laughs> yes, very much so. Very much so. Uh, you mentioned in a tweet uh, the other day that, uh, and you'll have to refresh my memory, but you mentioned that uh, the podcast is being turned into a radio show. Is that correct? Yeah. So I'm part of the Curious Cast Network. So 
uh, originally, occasionally my episodes would air on the Curious Cast podcast hour. And so what they're doing now is because they're getting a response to that is they're putting it in slots uh, on their talk radio stations across Canada, uh, usually on the weekends, and they're doing kind of a trial run. And so what it would be is it'd be usually one to two of my episodes put together with me kind of adding context and segues in various parts and then making it an hour long show. So this weekend uh, they're talking about Charles Tompkins, who was a Cree code talker, who's a perfect example of somebody that Canadians need to know more about because we know about Navajo code talkers in the United States, but we don't really know about the Cree code talkers who played just as much of a large role, but kept their secret and didn't tell anybody. And so nobody knew about this until like the 2000s. So anyways, that episode is Charles Tompkins and then uh, Elsie McGill, who, yeah, Elsie Gertrude McGill, I think, who was the Sherlock Holmes of Saskatchewan, who Mm -hmm. kind of created forensic science and was an honorary sergeant in the RCMP before women who were ever part of the RCMP. So they put those two episodes together and then I had segues and created it as as an hour long episode. That sounds great. That hopefully will, uh, you know, get more people no, interested. No. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, that that sounds like a great uh, project. One of the, another thing that I love about history podcasts, yours and others, is, and no pun intended, but they're really timeless. You, mm-hmm. if if you and I, I listen to and follow a lot of podcasts, and a lot of them are sort of current events based, or you know, whatever's going on. And you can't really go back to them in six months or a year. You can, but they don't have the same sort of impact. But with history podcasts, 20 years from now, you can go back and listen to any of your episodes and they will hit the same way that they do now. Um, Do you notice that yourself, the timelessness of what you do? Without a doubt. That's why I like having that 25-year buffer so that there's a there's a timeless aspect to it because like you said if i a a good example would be like the 1919 winnipeg general strike so say i'm making a podcast in 1920 and i do it about that general strike well i can talk a lot about that general strike but then i'll miss the 25 years afterwards where a lot of the people involved with it got involved in politics or that tommy douglas was a kid who saw the crackdown on that general strike and then that inspired him to be you know Uh, have more social programs and things like that as the premier of Saskatchewan. So I like having that long aspect kind of make it more timeless. I'm not going to have to go back to it and go, oh, by the way, this also happened, but I wasn't able to include it in that episode because I made it a year ago. So I like that timeless aspect of it. It's evergreen. You You can listen to any one of my episodes at any time in any order, and you're not, it's not going to be out of date, for example. That's right. One of the things that I enjoy about history is kind of what you just mentioned, the sort of the tapestry that is put together that leads someone to become who they were. You know, so-and-so saw this as a kid or experienced this and inspired him or her to do this. And those stories, often you get the surface of, oh, this is person X, he did this, this, and this. You don't often get that underlying sort of story of how that person arrived at that place. And to me, that's one of the most interesting things about looking into any historical figure. Oh, yeah. There's so much involved in any historical figure about who they are and how they got to that point. I mean, you can just look at the 
they were born this is what they did they died but there's so much more to it how did their actions influence others chief dan george giving a a, a soliloquy uh at vancouver centennial inspiring others to go wow i should look more at you know what's going on in my life and that pushes them to make change uh, yeah so uh, there's this rich tapestry that you can see when you start researching these things and how things can get connected and how certain people can get inspired by other people or just even one thing I love is like family connections in our history. Like very people people know that Christopher Plummer is the great grandson of one of our prime ministers. And I didn't know that either. Yeah, or Thomas Mulcair, who led the NDP in the 2010s, was related to the first premier of Quebec. Like there's all these little connections. And I know a lot of people when I put those up will be like, this just proves that Canada is like this very small place where everybody is connected somehow. <laughs> oh, you know but, Steve from Calgary, do you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you have these I like that tapestry of how you can see how a lot of things are connected, how something happening in Winnipeg influences Tommy Douglas as premier in Saskatchewan, which then influences Tommy Douglas as the NDP leader in Ottawa, which then gives us universal health care. So yeah, there's all these connections, but sometimes they take decades to kind of come together. And then by only looking at it from decades in the future, can we actually see how that all pieces together? When I was a kid and a teenager, I remember um, there were a few TV shows that got me interested in certain topics of history. And by TV shows, I mean like sitcoms. So for example, one was The Jeffersons. And mm -hmm. there was an episode where they were flashing back to the Martin Luther King assassination and the riots. And even though it was a comedy, that was a very heavy episode of that particular show. And that made me want to learn more about this period in history. MASH was another one wanting mm -hmm. to learn about the Korean War and Canada's involvement in that. Was there any other than, of course, the Heritage Minute, <laughs> was there any show, any instances of that where you saw something or heard of something on a TV show and you said, hmm, that's interesting. I'd like to delve more into that. I, I wouldn't say there was because, I mean, growing up, I was very much watching American television, you know, Simpsons and X-Files and things like that. And there was still there was Canadian shows starting to pop up like Do South road to avonlea but they didn't really dive into too much like i know road to avonlea was set in the past but it's a very uh uh whitewashed version of the past like if there's no diversity at all but one show that i would say after the fact watching it and i was like oh wow there's a lot more that they're talking about that i didn't notice when i was watching this years ago was north of 60 where they were talking about residential schools in 19 whatever it was 1992 93 you know, a decade and a half before residential schools really started to get into the public consciousness. So there were certain shows that were definitely ahead of their time in that aspect. Even the Beachcombers kind of was ahead of its time and in certain ways, but we didn't really have a show that I can think of that, like you said, like the Jeffersons or MASH, where it's like, oh, I want to learn more about this. We had, you know, Pierre Burton hosting a documentary or the Heritage Minutes or Canada People's History uh, to kind of get us interested. Now we have things like Murdoch Mysteries where- I was gonna you know, mention that one. Yeah, where it's very connected to our past. You have figures from our past interacting with the characters. So that would be a, a, a certain modern example of it. But mm -hmm. before that, I can't think of too much. Yeah, I was gonna mention that because I <laughs> really enjoy the way that they, uh, like you said, they bring these historical figures in, uh, They 
interweave them with the characters and you know one of them usually gets accused of murder and then gets you know whatever <laughs> but uh yeah that's a i really enjoyed i'm not sure if you saw the episode uh the basketball episode um with nick nurse of the co ex-coach of the raptors on it um that was it was a really good one yeah um so just before we wrap up craig uh, if you could just tell people out there uh where they can find you on the web, on socials, and so on. Um, we'll drive some people to listen to your great podcast. Sure. Uh, so my podcast is Canadian History X, and it's E-H-X. Of course and, it is. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you can find it uh, on every podcast platform uh, out there. You can also go to my website, which is CanadaEHX.com, and that has every podcast I've ever done, plus other history posts. I think I'm at about 960 posts on there, all about Canada's history. Every transcript of every episode I've ever done is on there. You can also listen to the episodes in the, the post about the episode. And then I'm on all the, I'm on pretty much every social media platform because I have no idea which one's going to survive. So I'm just yeah. shotgunning it. Hedging but, your bets. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But I'm on uh, Twitter or X, uh, Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And then on every other podcast platform or uh, social media platform, I'm CDN History EHX. And yeah, you can find me on, across the board. That's great. And I noticed you also have another, a couple of other podcasts, which I assume are not as big as... Uh, as this one. Um, talk a little bit about your other shows. Yeah, those ones I kind of do just when I have spare time and, you know, um, just because I there's things I want to cover on Canadian History X, but I don't want to like have too much on there. So I have from John to Justin, which is kind of Canada's political history. So I've covered every election, provincial elections, every prime minister, governor general, opposition leader. And right now I'm covering every premier in Canadian history. So that's from John to Justin. I have Pucks and Cups, which is about the early hockey history of Canada, which I've always found very interesting. Uh, Canada Yearly Journey, which is obviously looking at every single year in Canada's history from 1867 to now, and I think I'm on 1904. Uh, Canada's Great War, which is about the First World War. And then there's Coast to Coast, which I did a couple of years ago. It was just only 14 episodes, but it was about the building of the Transcontinental Railway across Canada. That's great. I'm definitely going to have to check those out, especially the hockey one. That's uh, <laughs> something that's right up my alley, and I think a lot of other people do. Craig, thank you very much for this. I appreciate your time. Fascinating stuff. And uh, I look forward to diving uh, more into your podcasts, plural. And uh, I wish you good luck. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Right. Thank you.